0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kudu, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, X Kudu, and today's book is a truly riveting read. It takes us um, into a nosedive deep into what medicine was like in the 17th century. I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, it is a book that's recommended for all undergrad med students to read at some point, it it was just phenomenal. Uh exclaim well a disclaimer for those of you who don't really like nonfiction books or um books outside of fiction, this will be a non-fiction review. So maybe check out some of the other reviews um if you don't really wanna listen to this. Uh, so before I get carried away anymore, let's dive into our T for today and then get into the book. So today's tea is Scottish breakfast tea. Now, breakfast teas generally have a more robust flavour than other teas, which make them great for morning brews. And this particular breakfast tea is a combination of Assam, Nilgiri and Chinese black tea. And this gives it a malty and smoky flavor with hints of caramel undertones. Now, if that doesn't make you want to try it, then I don't know what will. And this tea improves both digestion and oral health. So it's definitely something I want to try a tea with caramel undertones. Come on, what more could you ask for a knife? Okay, so today's book is How the Brain Lost Its Mind Sex Hysteria and the Riddle of Mental Illness by Alan Rupper and Brian Burrell. Now, this book was truly, it was just amazing. I really enjoyed it. Um, Now, it opens up with how initially doctors would classify diseases like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder as diseases caused by a fault in your brain structure and function rather than it being mental illness. Now, as you know, mental illness had a plethora of stereotypes and stigmas attached to it. And it's only quite recently that... um, people were able to open up to speak about it, that they find, found solace in the fact that they could open up knowing that they weren't the only ones. So, shout out to those people, because without them them would probably still be in that back-of-day time, where people would scorn mental illness. Um, now, this dude, Philippe Pinel, uh, he basically started psychiatry, and he saw insanity, had a problem with the mind, um... Then there was this disproved theory of phrenology, which uh, saw the brain as a muscle, just like all your other muscles, and if you exercised it, you wouldn't be able to um, get sick in a way. and I guess, I mean, to an extent, yeah, I guess it works if you keep busy enough, you won't take it on, but that's just pushing the problem aside, not actually dealing with it. But, um, of course, phrenology was disproved through a trial study done in, like, 1822, I think. Um, now, then the book, is, it just dives into the diseases of the time that plagued the masses. Syphilis. And an interesting thing about this STI, uh, sexually transmitted infection, is that it is known to infect other organs. So your liver, your lungs, your brain... And that is actually what really intrigued me about this book, Neurosyphilis, where the disease transmitted from sexual contact manifests as um, GPI or insanity or ticks. It, it was just phenomenal to read and go through the thought process of some of these people at the time, because remember, they didn't have half of the technology that we did to diagnose um, syphilis most of the times or uh, it was diagnosed neurosyphilis was diagnosed as insanity and I, I just think it's really amazing how far we've come uh so they talk about this in the book um syphilis generally uh, resulted in lesions and dry also called chakri uh and at the time it wasn't known that the uh Disease could infect other organs, obviously. And then you have this nice quote from Sir William Osler. Uh, he proclaimed that he who knows syphilis knows medicine. Um, Osler is another big name in med. Then you also get to preview some of medicine's greatest contributors, and they, they, they were, they, some of them committed atrocious. Crimes to Humanity, in their search for, um, you know, building up a study for this disease. Uh, Jean-Martin Chakot, he was the man responsible for deciphering functions of the human nervous system. And he was also very instrumental in discovering um, some other, like, symptoms and signs of syphilis. But his single-minded focus on that. Um, it really had horrible, horrible crimes against humanity. He um was head of this psychiatric ward, and his, his star patient of that matter was this woman who generally was ill, and he basically used her to kind of, you know, make progress on his research. Um, I believe he also had. Uh, a hand in some very very big crimes against humanity to the Guatemalan people uh, but more on that later uh, there's, you also get to see uh, Ange Brulier's painting Un Lesson Clinique à la Sala Petrie and here you get to actually see the kind of single-minded focus of all these clinicians and stuff, mostly male at the time obviously because um, at that time women were more Prone to staying at home because of, you know, societal views and all that. Uh, Shaku, among all his work and crimes and whatnot, also sought to place hysteria, which was a term usually reserved for women, next to epilepsy. And then he also was, um, he received a lot of criticism for adding hypnosis um, as one of his tools for diagnosing diseases. And the same patient that he Kind of um, abused in a sense, of, not physically, but in the sense that he used her misfortune for his own personal gain. Blanche Whitman, um, he received lots of criticism for that. And there was also mention of this journalist, Mas Poisson, uh, a known womanizer who was a big critic of Shaku. And ultimately, he had to go to Shaku for help with syphilis but was brushed aside, um, was told that there wasn't anything to worry about. He did also succumb to syphilis and here, um, he basically linked sex and neurosis, so good for him, I guess. Then we also get, um, based different insights into different case studies and all of that good stuff you also able to see um that the disease was able to lay dormant for years at a time, um and suddenly it could appear as fits of hysteria, illness and madness. I remember this was a time where um, you know, preventative measures to be applied during intercourse were basically non-existent. So millions of people probably had syphilis and it was just dormant. And then you have a lot of different case studies in your book, and I just thought it was fascinating to um, you know, go through, and its syphilis became so common, it had a slang, the pox, and as with most things that are seen as primarily masculine, it was kind of made up into a positive light, it was seen as a rite of passage for men, and then that obviously didn't end too well for most of them. I think that was kind of idiotic on their part. And we have this man, Fracastorio who basically gave the foundations of germology, And he stated that the, bubo- the um, bubonic plague was caused by bacteria. And at this time, you know, sexual diseases has faced much scorn and prejudice. It still does a little bit at this time. So there were a lot of cover ups by the upper class in society. And if somebody died and it really was from syphilis, they'd cover it up, say it was a heart attack or something like that. You also get to see, um, so again, you get to see some of medicine's greatest minds make, um, these discoveries. You get to see Fleming and his discovery of penicillin, which was equal parts luck, as well as a deep mastery of his field, um, Paran and Mahoney responsible for ensuring that penicillin was administered to the masses and also um, it also helped ensure that syphilis reached the point where it was almost non-existent though it is um, at the time of the book at the end I believe it was making a comeback um, and well it was not Shaku however it was Paran who had a hand in some um, crimes against humanity in Guatemala uh, specifically in his bit to eradicate syphilis completely. So that is just a brief insight into this book. Again, it's great. Uh, I probably rambled a bit, but I highly recommend it to anybody with an interest in your brain, um, an interest in medicine, or who's just looking for a good nonfiction book to read. It was really riveting, very intellectually stimulating. Um, if you If this is the first nonfiction medicine book that you are, medical bookstore that you are reading, it may be a bit hard to get to the first one or two pages. But once you do get through that, it'll be worth it. I promise you, it was great. And I believe that's all from me for this episode. So if you like this episode, you can check out, you can find this one and more on your cast platform, which distributes to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Samsung Podcasts, as well as a couple others. And if you like this episode, feel free to, um, you know, comment or like it on Instagram at ttalkswithkuru. So that's all from me until next time, guys. Bye.